There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Well, this is Friday on the podcast, and what a privilege it is to have the freedom God has given us in this nation. Freedom to practice religion, freedom to worship as we see fit. And my friend, I believe that every religion has that freedom in America. I believe they ought to have that freedom. I don't ever want to stifle somebody from worshiping false gods and worshiping a lie, because the second we pass laws to stifle them, they're going to stifle the church of the living God, the church of Jesus Christ. And might I say to you, my friend, let the Muslims worship. Amen. Let the Satan, the paganist, worship. Let them do what they need to do, and you just obey God in your worship. And thank God we can have a podcast. Thank God the internet is still open enough that they'll accept doctrinal podcasts of the Word of God. There's coming a day when I imagine we won't be able to do this. There's a coming a day that's probably in the very near future we will not be able to do these things. And so let's continue to rejoice in this freedom, pray for this freedom, pray that we can have a peaceable life, a quiet and peaceable life in the Word of God, in the things of Jesus Christ. This weekend, we pray we have a good Lord's Day. Looking forward to what the Lord will do on this Sunday. We certainly are thankful for the privilege we have to assemble openly in this nation. What a great privilege and what a great honor that is. As my wife and I continue in our yard sales this week and then next week, would you pray for us? Pray the word of God would go forth. Pray that we could find that one that's in need of a Savior, that's willing to listen. We're in a day when men are so hardened, women are so hardened today. They don't want to hear the truth. I've been saved for 25 years, used to roam the streets in Hagerstown, Maryland, uh, to the wee hours of the morning, sometimes on the weekends, just witnessing, talking to people about the Lord, and handing out tracts, and people then used to listen. It would be Friday night at 10 o'clock, and uh, the men I'd go with, and I would sit there, we'd talk to folks on the front porch and share the gospel with them, invite them to the house of God. Some of them would come to the house of God. But we're talking about 20 years later on, and you can't get people to come to the house of God for anything. But the greatest mission field we have is in our own churches. And a lot of us just fail to see that. We don't want to realize that just because somebody was raised in church and joined the church and maybe got baptized and, and committed themselves to, to join up with the assembly does not mean they've been born of God. The evidence is in that new life in Christ. It's not just in a new life. Uh, any religion can give you a new life, but it's a new life in Christ, where old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Why? Because Jesus Christ is now the center of your life. And so our mission field today is, a, is the lost of our churches. The mission field today is the lost in Bible-believing churches, the folks that just do not believe the Word of God, folks that have never been born of God, never been birthed by the Word of God. And might I say to you, friend, that's our focus in the ministry today, is trying to reconcile people to Jesus Christ. And that ministry has never changed. It's always been a ministry of reconciliation, that folks will be reconciled to God. And so you pray for us as we minister this weekend and the next weekend to come. We're in Psalm 45 today. Certainly didn't mean to take that long to introduce this podcast, but just a little exhortation on the side. 
But in Psalm 45, we're going to look at several things here. It's a great doctrinal psalm. It's a psalm of Jesus Christ. And yet we see so many statements here that are referred to in other prophecies. And so we're going to look at many of them today. You know, we'll probably go into Monday with this as well. But in Psalm 45, and I'm going to read the psalm in its entirety, 17 verses as we open up today, because it's such an important psalm, such a valuable psalm. My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. So now let's go back and look at the history. Let's go back and look at what the Bible says about this psalm, Psalm 45. Now here's what it says. It's to the chief musician upon Shoshonim. For the sons of Korah, masculine, a song of loves. And can I say to you, that greater love hath no man than this. And he laid down his life for his friends. There is no greater love we've ever seen than the Lord Jesus Christ that laid down his life for sinners. This is a song of love. And so we see his tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore God hath blessed thee forever. Gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most, most mighty with thy glory and thy majesty. And in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness, and thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows, all thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia, out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. King's daughters were among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand is stand the queen, the gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, and consider, and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy lord, and worship thou him. And the daughter of Tyre shall be there with a gift. Even the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Her clothing is of wrought gold. And she shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. The virgins, her companions that follow her, shall be brought unto thee. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. They shall enter into the king's palace. Instead of thy fathers shall be thy children, whom thou makest, mayest make princes in all the earth. I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever. A psalm concerning Jesus Christ. And we see in the beginning of this psalm, and we'll touch on this briefly here, but he says, my heart is indicting a good manner, a good matter. And here's one of those things, again, we spoke of often. There's a colon there. And then there's another colon that kind of separates this, divides this into two completely different sentences within this verse, yet absolutely relative one to another. And it reads like this, my heart is indicting a good matter, colon. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king, colon. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. And so if we took those colons out, the word of God would read like this. My heart is indicting a good matter. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. In the middle of that, then he says, I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. And so we see that strong sentence that goes through to indict is, in this sense, indicting a good manner. There's no C there. It's I-N-D-I-T-I-N-G is to just scribe, to put down, and to write a matter. So you take the words, and what is he doing? He's indicting a good matter. So he's writing this from the heart. 
And then he says, his, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. He's speaking the things that are going to be written from the heart. Why? Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This is the Holy Ghost speaking through the word of God, the spirit of Jesus Christ speaking to us from the word of God. And it's going to be penned down. Why? Because he has ordained it to be so. And so he's speaking the word of truth, and his heart is speaking the word of truth, and it's for us to see. What a marvelous, wonderful thing. Let me read that without that centerpiece again. My heart is indicting a good matter. It's writing down what's taking place. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Now, it's interesting because John said on this wise, and uh, closing out the book of John, the gospel of John, chapter 21 and verse 25, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. The Psalm 40 in verse 7, we used that just the other week in the podcast. And he says, then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. So he says here, his heart's indicted in a good matter. Why? Because the law of God is written in his heart. And so he's writing this from the heart. His lips are the word of God. He's speaking the word of God to us. Hebrews chapter 10 reflects on that in verse 7, then said, I, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. And so he's speaking these things as touching the king. We know that. And what a blessing it is, what a glory that is to see the word of God going forth, to see how God gives us the word of God, and to see how God keeps that word of God. What a blessing it is. How did he keep it? It was written. It was written in the volume. And God gave us this volume. God gave us in purity and holiness and godliness, gave us the volume in which it was written. What a blessing it is to know that we have the word of God. And now he goes on in verse 2, he says, Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore God hath blessed thee forever. And so as he speaks from the heart, his tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Then grace is poured into his lips. Now the word of God told us in Luke chapter 4 and verse 22, And all bear him a witness, that's Jesus Christ, and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. That's the grace that he spake. The gracious words of Jesus Christ are what the psalmist is referring to here because he's speaking of none other than Jesus Christ. In verse 3, gird thy sword upon thy thigh. What is the sword? It's the word of God. Gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, with thy glory and thy majesty. The word of God is glorious. The word of God is his majesty. He put his word above his own name. And what a privilege. He would give us his word. In verse Four, and in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness, and thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Why? The right hand of God is in the person of Jesus Christ. Thy right hand is the hand that carries the sword. That right arm is the strength of God, which is the person of Jesus Christ. But that right hand not only carries a sword, but then that right hand carries a rod. That right hand can lay down that rod, and that right hand can bind up the brokenhearted. He can make the wounded whole again. Job told us that. So there's many things in the right hand of Jesus Christ. And he said in verse 5, thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, that's the archers of the Lord, 
We learned about that in Psalm chapter 20. We learned about that in Job 16. We saw that in other places, the arrows of the Lord, why his archers compassed him about. But they also compass about his enemies. Two times we see that in the Psalms. And then here it says, thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. And so that's the word of God. Those arrows are his darts. They are shot out by him to destroy his enemies, to stick his enemies. Why? Because the God is in the midst of the righteous. God comes about the righteous. And God is going to protect his own. He's going to protect his son. And might I say to you, my friend, Jesus Christ laid down his life for his friends. It wasn't taken from him. He laid it down. And that's one of the doctrines that is often uh, said and often quoted and often used, but then there's God doctrines contrary to that that are used that make it confusing to people. But Jesus Christ laid down his life for his friends. In verse 6, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Now we see that again in Psalms chapter 93, and very much a companion to what we're reading here. But Psalm 93, again, a messianic psalm. And one of the things I'm wrestling with right now as I go through this podcast, I've cross-referenced so many of the Psalms further down. We've quoted Psalm 45 numerous times on the podcast. Eventually, uh, we're going to get down there. We're going to use it so much. I don't know if I have to teach through it very much. (laughs) And so Psalm 93, the Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength. Wherewith he hath girded himself, the world also is established. Excuse me, the world also is established that it cannot be moved. The, thy throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. What are we talking about here? Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And he said, thy scepter, the scepter of thy kingdom, is a right scepter. Again, we're speaking of Jesus Christ. We're speaking of an event that is to come. It is his throne. It will be given unto him. The book of Hebrews in chapter 1 mentions that in verse 8. But unto the Son, he saith. Unto the Son, he saith. So here he's telling us he's speaking to the Son. He's prophesying of Jesus Christ and his coming kingdom. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. We go on in verse 7, and the word of God says, Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows, because of who he is. And by the way, he gives a distinct charge there, and he says that thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore, because of this, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. That same passage in the book of Hebrews in chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, but unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And so again, we see Prophecy fulfilled and prophecy fulfilled in Jesus Christ, as it's mentioned in Psalm 45. And then the writer of Hebrews, the Apostle Paul, goes back and references it once again and lets us know of that writing, lets us know who he's speaking of, lets us know with absolute surety this is Jesus Christ. In Psalm 21 and verse 6 says, For thou hast made him most blessed forever. 
Thou hast made him exceeding glad with thy countenance. Why? Because he's blessed above all. He's anointed he with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. I want to stop there because if we go to verse 8, we're going to be looking at a completely different area of Psalm 45. And so I want to just stop there and just a reminder to us to study the word of God. We'll continue this Lord willing with verse 8 on Monday in the podcast. Have a great weekend. Have a great Lord's Day. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania. 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.